Welcome to Lunch Pell Sermons. My messages begin with the assumption that the Bible's teaching is simple. Love God, do good. With that simple message, the Spirit delivers divine haymakers that nudge us toward becoming better followers of Jesus. I hope this sermon helps you in living God's adventure for your life. As we come this morning, we continue to look at the life of Paul. And as we left off last time, he was just about to be on his way to Rome. And so that is where the passage picks up today. And Paul has been put on a ship and sent off to Rome across the sea. And we're going to find a big storm that comes and overtakes the ship. Uh, Today, for us, as we are thinking about this passage and how does it apply for us, we may not be in a ship sailing across the ocean in the middle of a storm, uh, but storms still come in our life. And as we're going to find in this passage today, these events were entirely avoidable. They have put themselves in the midst of a violent storm, and they did not have to. Now that... I can relate to, and maybe you can relate to as well. Through our own poor choices, we find ourselves in a storm of life. And at some point, each of us has put ourselves there, and looking into the future, we will probably put ourselves there again. And as we come today, we are going to find that despite our own mistakes, but despite our own failings, we find a gracious and merciful God. We find that we also experience consequences, though. Those do not go away. So what has taken place in this passage is that the ship is traveling along, delays begin to happen, and they realize that they are going to need to find a place to shelter for winter. They won't be able to to survive on the seas in the midst of winter. And Paul, you know, who's this prisoner on this ship, and he's hanging out with the the Roman centurion and the other guards, and so he's on this ship, and and Paul speaks, and he's like, "Um, you know, there's a storm that's going to hit this ship. Uh, We we should stop here, and otherwise there's going to be some serious damage. And... Uh, Let's see, we're going to read a verse together, uh, and we'll look at Paul's warning to these people. Let's read this together. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. The warning has been put out. And the centurion who seems to be making these choices says, Thanks, Paul, but we're going to go with the ship captain and the sailors and these guys. We're going to keep pushing on. Uh, The text describes that the majority decide to press onward. The majority, right there. That's that's a key phrase for us, you know, as we think of, well, this ship's a bit unsettled. Uh, If you're having to refer to it as uh, a little bit more inclination than not to keep going, um, into uh, the waters they go. And they find themselves, once they set sail, facing a great storm. And the ship is forced to give way to the wind. 
That is where our passage begins today, is in the midst of the storm. And once again, uh, a reminder for you as we look at this. Um, this passage today, we're going to certainly look at what happens here in the events I record for us in Acts 27. But really, the more important thing for us is we're going to turn that into our own life. We're going to turn that into the life of our church and think of the storms that could have been avoided and what God do we find in the midst of that. Let's look at the um, passage. So I'll be reading the passage for us. Um, It's going to be on the screen, and you'll be able to follow there. That's our passage day coming out of Acts 27. Once again, this is them in the storm. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice and not set sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Then we're going to continue to verse 39. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the shrimp aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the land and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck first and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. For this is the word of the Lord. It's a lot of descriptive words that we even skipped part of it um, just to condense it a bit. Uh, highly descriptive passage of Scripture. Uh, regarding the challenges that they faced in the midst of this storm. And what we find uh, as we begin our passage today is the storm has come upon them. And in the storm, they begin to trying to save themselves with the ways that they know how. And one of the very first things that we find them doing here in this very avoidable, violent storm is first they're like, hey, we're just going to go with the wind. Instead of trying to work against it, follow the wind. Doesn't work. Second thing they do is they frapped the ship. Frap, 
That's a word. I didn't know that was a word until this week. It's now you know it's a word too. So frap is when you take rope around something and tie it together so it doesn't fall apart. Uh, and when you're frapping something, that's not a good thing to do. That's disastrous point you if you're trying to wrap rope around your ship to keep it together in the middle of the sea. But that is what they did. Uh, the problem only gets worse. And the ship is blown towards low ground. And that's not low ground near land. That's low ground in the middle of the sea that they would generally be trying to avoid. They continue on with their regular sailor intervention. They anchored the ship. They begin to throw cargo overboard. And finally, they begin to throw, tackle the ship's gear overboard. And despite all these human interventions, the problems have only gotten worse. Dark skies have settled upon them both day and night. So they can't even navigate. They don't know where they are. The ship is entirely at the mercy of a violent storm. Let's read this verse to get us an idea of what this is going on, what it's like in the midst of this storm. Let's read this passage together. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. That is the conditions of which they found themselves. And if you've ever been on a ship or a boat in the middle of a storm, well, you know how terrifying that can be. That is a scary place to be at the mercy of a violent storm. And these guys are in the middle of the ocean. Can't help but think, do these guys want to redo on that choice to head out into the ocean? You remember Paul gave them a warning. He says, hey guys, I got to tell you, this isn't going to go well for us. We should stay right here. No, we're going on. We're not listening to you. Who are you? You're just a prisoner. But life, life has no control Z moments. And those of you who work on a computer know exactly what I mean. When you're, when you're typing along, you're like, oh, I need to undo that. Control Z. You know that, the back button, back, we'll just fix that. Life isn't like that, right? Once you make a decision, you just have to live with it, and you have to live with the consequences. As we look at, particularly at this situation here, and we see what they are experiencing, do the consequences of their actions seem extreme to the results that are upon them? I mean, you know, they, they had a warning, sure. The guy's not even a sailor who's given them the warning. They really don't even know him that well. They ignored him, sure. But, I mean, look at him now. Their ship is being torn apart. Days and nights are going by. They've given up all hope for just a tiny little mistake. The consequence seems too extreme, at least by our own understanding. Unfair, we might shout. It's so unfair. Just that one little thing I did wrong, and now these terrible consequences are upon me. Something we need to remember. 
We need to remember in this story, and we need to remember more importantly for our own lives as well, is that when we step away from God's protection, we find ourselves at the mercy of the storm. And I want you to remember something today. The storm has no mercy. The storms that we step into have no mercy. They will cause as much harm as they can cause. People sometimes find themselves in these avoidable, violent storms, self-inflicted harm. And in the midst of the storms, they scream unfair. And they scream out, God, shouldn't you rescue me? Why do you allow this to happen to me? Sure, I did that. But the results are so far out of whack with what I did wrong, at least by our own understanding. But when we put ourselves into the storm, remember, it has no mercy. And it will destroy as much as it can destroy. We had a chance to not be there. Just like these guys in the story had a chance to not be there. And that's how life works sometimes. You have a chance. And when you miss that chance, then it's gone. And the storm has its way. As we continue on today, we're going to find them. We're going to find we do have a gracious and merciful God. Sure, we're in the storms. Sure, it was our fault. But our God has not forgotten us in that. We're going to look at the storm warning. And it gets revisited by Paul. Paul has, tells the men, hey, you should have listened to my advice. It's a little bit of an I told you so moment, but that's what it is. It's a little bit of that. And it's funny now after the storm has ravaged the ship, then we find people who are a little bit more keen to listen to what Paul has to say. He's going to come and offer a little bit more advice. And this time we're going to find a little bit, little bit better hearing power on those who are going to be making this decision. And here is what Paul has to say to him. Uh, let's read this passage together. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Paul brings them this message of encouragement. We can be preserved. God will provide for us. And where does Paul's confidence come from? Because the passage explains that Paul has received a message from an angel. And this angel has assured Paul that God's plan is to get Paul to Rome so that Paul can go before Caesar. And the angel says, God's plan, Paul, is to get you there. And God is a gracious God. He's going to get everyone else there safe as well. Here goes Paul's advice, new advice to the people. Once they find themselves in the storm, he gives them new advice. Let's read his new advice. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, 
We must run aground on some island. Run aground on a ship? <laughs> that does not seem like what you want to do, right? But it's funny how a storm reshapes our thinking. While you would never intentionally take a floating vessel and run it aground, in the storm, that's brilliant. Paul, let's do it. We're going to run our ship aground. We're going to destroy our ship. One of the things for us is that we have to accept. We have to accept something that they had to accept in the middle of the storm here. Is that the only way out is with some negative consequences. There's going to be some damage. Some things are going to get broken. And that's just the nature of what we have put ourselves in. And that will be the same for them. When we find ourselves in an avoidable storm, when we have chosen to put ourselves there, damage will occur. We need to avoid. We need to avoid blaming God. Which is so tempting, isn't it? We've experienced that. I think probably each one of us is so human. It doesn't make us bad people, it just makes us people. Because we find ourselves in unpleasantness and we say, God, why did you allow this to happen? I'm so angry with you. You could have done something differently. You could have spared me. You could have delivered me. You could have prevented this from happening. Aren't you a good God? Aren't you a gracious God? Aren't you a loving God? Then why am I here and why is this upon me? We respond with anger. But that isn't helpful. And it's also untrue to the situation that we find ourselves in. Simply one of the rules of life, one of the rules of life is that if we make bad choices, then bad things will happen to us. And that's true whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or whether you're not. That's just the nature of life. And often our bad choices aren't directly connected to the bad thing that happens to us. In other words, it's not some sort of causal event where we make a bad choice and the bad thing happens as a result. It's kind of like the bad choice sets a pattern of events for us. And then somewhere down the line, the bad thing happens. That's how life works. I remember my mother used to give me this advice when I was a teenager. Maybe you've heard similar advice from a parent at home when you were growing up. She would say, nothing good happens after midnight. And that's true. You know, it's mostly true. That's mostly true. You know what I get from that advice? If it's 2 a.m. and something bad happens to me, well, the poor choice would maybe have been the 2 a.m. part. You know, I, mom was probably right. You know, it's bad. when you make bad choices, bad things happen. That's how life works, and that's how it works as we live before our Lord God as well. Our poor choices lead to poor outcomes. But we do have hope. We do have hope. And our hope comes from this, that God has a plan for us. 
Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have committed yourself to following Jesus Christ, then you can stand here today or sit here today or listen wherever you might be this morning and know that God has a plan for you. God's plan isn't just to send you off to destruction. God's plan to build you up. God's plan is for you to survive and thrive. And I'm not talking like just life goes well and you get a promotion. I'm talking about God has a spiritual plan for you. A plan to bring healing into you and to your relationships. A plan for you to live with hope and expectation of glory to come. A plan for you to live in peace with your God, but also with your neighbors and in your world as well. God has a good plan for you, if you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. So even though you find yourselves in the midst of the storm that you caused, and you're at the mercy of that terrible storm, and bad things are upon you, God's still got a plan. God will get you out, and God is a most gracious God. God will get us out, even though we don't deserve it. God will still bring good into our life, even though we didn't earn it. A good example of this, this idea of seeing God in the midst of a storm that we caused comes from David, King David. And so the Bible records this event in King David's life. King David was given a warning. Do not take a census. Do not count your fighting men. And what does David do? Ignores the warning counts his fighting men. And God is not pleased. God sends a prophet to King David and says, David, your poor actions are going to put you into a storm. God is going to give you the choice of the storm that you have. Which storm will you choose, King David? He's given three options. The first is that he might experience three years of famine. Second, is that David and his nation might experience three months of defeat to their enemies. Third option, three days of a plague led by an angel of God. Choose, David, what will be your storm? And what does David choose? It's an easy choice for him. He says, I'll take the plague that comes with the angel of God because my God is gracious. My God is merciful. If I'm going to have to subject myself to something, let it be to the mercy of my God because I know my enemies are not. And I know that the power of a famine is not. It's a reminder for us. Our God is gracious. Our God does have a plan. And when it feels like you are forgotten, it doesn't mean that you are. God is still there with us. We're going to find that the people get a chance to revisit their decision. So Paul is going to give them a chance to do-over, a do-over. We'll see how they do. I think you probably have a good idea how this is going to turn out. And so this storm we find, has been going on for 14 days. 14 days. That is a long time to feel 
at a moment's notice that your ship could be destroyed and your life could be lost. And we see that they have traveled uh, in the most direct route, the most direct mileage. Um, They have traveled 585 miles. Seems like a lot, right? When I thought, wow, they have really gone a long way. But then when I figured out what they've averaged as a speed over 14 days, they've averaged 1.5 knots, which is about one and three quarters miles per hour. 1.5 knots. In other words, they have not made much progress at any type of pace. But their ship hasn't been going straight, right? Their ship's been battered from side to side, forward and back. They can't even tell daylight from sunlight for two weeks. Finally, land is close, and they recognize that their ship is finally coming upon a place of refuge, a place where safety might come. And the sailors on the ship devise a plan. They're like, lower the lifeboats down, and we're going to put ourselves in the lifeboats, and we're going to row ourselves to shore in these lifeboats. Because this ship, as it's coming into the shore, is going to be, thrown, be torn apart by this rocks that are out there. And so the sailors devise their escaped plan. And Paul comes to the centurion, the very centurion that he told initially, don't do this. And that centurion who ignored Paul then, Paul says to the centurion, do not let them go. He says, if those sailors leave this ship, then I cannot guarantee the safety of anyone. So what does the centurion and the soldiers do? Well, we're going we're gonna to read that together. Let's read this together. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. This time, they listened to the advice. This time, the centurion said, Paul, I'm with you. If you tell me to cut off the lifeboat, then I'm cutting off the lifeboat. Because, Paul, I'm going to do that one again. Our gracious and merciful God gives us a redo. At some point, you get a chance to do it over. And when you get that chance to do it over, don't make the same mistake again. Sometimes I found myself when I was working with students, I would often tell them there's easy ways and hard ways to learn a lesson. Which are you going to choose? Sometimes we choose the hard way. Sometimes we choose the easy way. You know, I find the hard way sometimes, that's just, that's why we go. These guys have learned the hard way, to heed the advice of Paul. For us as well, there will be times we choose the hard way, but our gracious and merciful God is there that's going to give us another chance. And when that redo comes, I'm choosing the easy path. I might be a slow learner, but I am a learner, and I will take the easy path. As we come and realize, in the midst of the storm, these consequences do remain. We cannot escape the damage that we have done. Just as we told in the story of David, that angel did come through, and many thousands were killed. The consequences of our actions 
remain. But our God stands there with grace and mercy, seeking to restore the relationship that we have abandoned. Because that's why we put ourselves in the storm. Because the relationship with God, that God's saying, come, be with me, do what I want, take shelter in me, take refuge in me. And we're like, "Mm, I get it, thanks, but no. And we find ourselves stepping away from the God who would protect us. And the storm hits us. And remember, that storm has no mercy. But there's a chance. Oh, there's a chance. There will be a moment when God will get our ear again and say, what about now? When God brings us in, we're going to say, yes, I want to put myself back into relationship with God. But we do find ourselves experiencing the consequences of our own choices. As we look in our story today, the people are eventually delivered from the storm. As I mentioned earlier, this land gets close. They've now spotted the land. And the ship has run aground, just as Paul told them earlier in us. And it begins to break apart and into pieces. And they devise a plan. They say, hey, if you can swim, swim. If you can't, grab some, something, some debris, and make your way to shore. Along the path, the guards who were on the ship guarding Paul and the other prisoners think, we've got to kill them. We can't let these prisoners go into the water. We might not find them once they get to the shore. And the centurion says, no, no. Everyone's going to make it out of here alive. And so everyone begins to make their way to shore, either through swimming or floating on the debris. And how does it end? Let's read it. In this way, everyone reached land safely. They all made it. 276 souls survived the storm. And zero were lost. I told you the storm has no mercy, but our God does. And 276 souls can give testify that there is a merciful God. There is a gracious God. There is a powerful God that is more powerful than the storms that we have put ourselves in. Our God is there to rescue us. Our God does see the restoring of the relationship with us. Jesus tells the story of a father and two sons. You might be familiar with it. In this story, the younger of the sons tells the father, hey, father, can you give me my inheritance now? Can we make it like you're dead and give me my inheritance so I can go off and do my own thing? The father obliges. And that younger son runs off with his inheritance and wasted away. The younger son eventually finds himself at the true mercy of a storm. And he finds there is none. And his life 
is brought to an absolute breaking point. And he thinks to himself, I can go home. I can go home and at least be a hired hand. That would be better than what I have now. My dad would take me on as a servant. So the son returns home. And as you know the story, the son, as he's approaching the house, it's almost like we see the father waiting on the porch. And he sees the son off in a distance. And what does he do? The father goes and gets him. He says, son, you're back. You're back. Come, be home. Be safe. Be my son. Yeah, that's what God wants for us. Sure, we might go running off to do our own thing. We might put ourselves in the midst of disaster. But our God is always ready to welcome us home with open arms. As that story continues, you might remember the older of the two sons. Feels a little resentment. Feels a little resentment. Hey, how come dad's so nice to the younger guy who ran off, pretending like dad was dead? That doesn't seem right. Sometimes we kind of feel like that too. But what that young, older son didn't recognize, his dad was always going to love them. Always going to love them. It didn't matter what they had done. And you know, and that, that father reminds the older son, you know what? The consequences remain. He says, you know, everything I have, it belongs to you. One that was lost has now been found. So for us today, do you find yourself in a storm that you've made? Going to have to write it out, aren't you? Yeah, you will. You will. But no, no, the Father is waiting for you. The Father has open arms. And the moment that you can get out, the Father is there to welcome you in. Also, we know people in storms. We do. Sometimes we can resent them, can't we? You just keep doing the same thing over and over again. What did you think was going to happen? It's a little bit like the older brother, isn't it? Yeah, sweetie. No, that's not the right thing. We, We like the father. I want to be welcoming them home, glad to see them, encourage them, move them along. And sure, within us, we feel that resentment. But remember, when we find ourselves out there alone, our God welcomes us. In the same way, let us rejoice when God welcomes those around us. Let me pray for us this morning. Thanks for listening to Lunch Pell Sermons. Now it's time to put these words into action and go live our adventure. Let's love God and do good.